take your Bibles and let's turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. So it, ha- it has been my practice. I-, I don't like to say that in my, for 30 or 40 years, that means, man, he must be old. But man, I must be old. Um, it's been my practice for way more than 30 years to, in my morning quiet times and reading the Bible, it has been, it has been my practice. I got some of my dancing back there. Thank you, Ben. Uh, it has been my practice to journal. And so when I'm reading my Bible in the morning, I have a journal and I, and I take notes. I write down first impressions. I write down thoughts that come to mind. I write down questions that I have. I write down lessons that I'm learning. I even sometimes draw pictures. Sometimes when I'm reading, I think visually. Uh, so I, I, I even sometimes I'll, I'll draw a picture. And it's, it's a tremendous way I've found to help me do more than just check in and read my Bible. But it's a tremendous way to really get something out of it. It's a tremendous way for me to be nourished spiritually and to spend time with God through hearing his voice through scripture. And I, I can't encourage you enough what a tremendous discipline it would be to get yourself a journal and uh, work through it as you read the Bible. Have, have a regular time. That's important. And so why am I telling you that? Because a few months ago I began a study in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, and I filled many, many pages in my journal through all that I have learned. And so we're going to begin today a sermon series in Joshua. And the resource material for this sermon series is basically every Monday I'm going to get up, I'm going to open my journal, and I'm going to look at what God taught me, and I'm just going to share with you all from the overflow of what I have learned in this book. And there's a whole lot. This this is going to be an incredible journey. It has been for me. And I have learned many, many lessons. But if I could narrow it down to one primary lesson that I got out of my study in Joshua, it's it would be it would be defined in the word you see on the screen is fearless. And maybe this is the lesson that I saw. I think God does this. He wants you to see when you're reading the Bible what you need to see. And I think it's likely that God knew Eddie needs to learn to be fearless. I would tell you that too often in my life I have let fear guide my decisions and guide my steps instead of faith. And, I, and I'm guessing that I'm not the only one, but to varying degrees, it, it's true for all of us. But if we as individuals and if we as a church are going to carry out God's mission given to us to make disciples of all nations, it is going to demand that we be a fearless people. And being a fearless people, that is really one of the primary objectives of the the book of Joshua that's given to us. So as the book of Joshua opens, we find that the the Israelites, they're almost home. Some of you know that, that feeling. They're almost back home to, the, to what is called the, the promised land. It was a land that was promised to their ancestors, Abraham and Sarah, many centuries before. This is a land, and maybe some of us know the story, we're very familiar with it. Some of us are really new to the Bible, so I'll kind of give you a little 
building up to the setting here in Joshua chapter 1. They had barely gotten settled in their promised land that God had given them when all of a sudden due to a famine they had to migrate to Egypt. And so we see the story of the Israelites. They ended up in Egypt and through some really unfortunate circumstances the Israelites eventually became slaves under the horrible oppression of the, of the king of Egypt, the pharaoh. And that lasted some 400 years, but finally, as you know the story, a lot of us do, under the leadership of Moses, God was able to get them out of Egypt. And he's able to lead them and free them and, and bring them on a journey of making their way, a long journey. The journey should have lasted hardly a few weeks. Really, it could have lasted less than a month, but it was a journey that took 40 years. And this was basically due to their rebellion and their critical and, and grumbling spirits. But now, after 40 years, they're close they're almost home. And you can just imagine if children then are like they are now, how many times the children must have asked mom and dad, are we getting closer? Are we almost home? Whenever Karen and I make our, our we make a 40-hour drive to go see our children and grandchildren from here to Dallas and Baton Rouge and back. And whenever we make that drive, the feeling that we get when we've been driving through the wilderness of Texas. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm not a fan. And you get into beautiful New Mexico. You think, oh, 40 hours in the car. And finally you come over this hill and you see the gorgeous mountains, the beginning of the snow-capped mountains. And you just get this feeling... And then you get over the Raton Pass and you come down and there's that sign that says something like, Welcome to beautiful Colorado. And then you work your way through gorgeous Trinidad, <laughs> which is sarcastic. And then you see the Spanish peaks to the left and you get your way to, to beautiful Pueblo. But it may not be so beautiful, but you're getting closer and closer. And I'm telling you, after 40 hours in the car, when we turn onto the Woodman exit and we make our way into our neighborhood, it's just after 40 hours. What a feeling. I can't imagine after 40 years that they are now almost home. A generation of people have died in that 40 year period. A new generation has, has come up. Their great leader, like the guy they were all counting on, Moses, he has died. And so now the reins of leadership have been turned over to Joshua. And so now the stage is set. They're standing close to the Jordan River. You can see home on the other side. And it's in that setting that we enter the story here in Joshua chapter 1. Let's read together. After the, death of Mo, after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, and into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. 
every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river the river Euphrates all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not leave you or forsake you be strong and courageous for you will cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their, for, their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do, accord, to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. There's so much here. There's so much here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If there's a theme verse, verse 9 is it. Let's move into 10 and 11. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess and so you always want to be looking for repetitive words and phrases that's kind of like a main point there and so you really can't miss and help but notice the repetitive statement three times in this short passage be strong and courageous or another way of saying that as I'm presenting in this series be fearless and it's stated in contrast to what we read in verse 9 do not be frightened or Another translation would read, do not be afraid. And then that's accompanied by fear's twin, which is dismay. He says, do not be dismayed. And which is, in Hebrew, I looked up that word dismayed. It just means to fall apart. To fall apart with anxiety. And so fear and anxiety go hand in hand. And if there's anything that is relevant to our nation and our culture today, we are falling apart with fear and anxiety. There is, there is a word here for us, for sure. You know, I think it's interesting, of all the commands that we find in the Bible, this is the one command given to us more than all the others. Do not be afraid in various forms. It's like God, if he wants you to hear something, he wants you to hear this. You might ask, well, well, why is that the case? And I believe it's the case because too often we allow ourselves to be paralyzed by fear. We allow ourselves to be controlled by fear instead of by faith. And if we're going to position ourselves to be instruments of God, to carry out his mission and purpose for us as individuals and collectively as a church, it's going to demand that we be a fearless people because, you see, God is always going to call us something that's greater than we are. God is always going to call us to something that's, that's absolutely intimidating and bigger than we are. And most of the time, very fearful from a human point of view. And I think this was true for Joshua and for the Israelites at this time, 
You know the story in the book of Numbers in their initial reconnaissance mission. They went into the land and then they came back and, and made a little spy report. And, and 10 of the guys said, man, there's, there's no way. These are these Anakites, these legendary, these legendary giants. These people are huge. Their cities are fortified. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. That was the report that was given 40 years before Joshua's book opens. And so now, 40 years later, nothing has changed. It's still, from a human point of view, a mission that is impossible. There's every reason at the beginning of this story for the Israelites to be fearful and for them to pull back and say this we cannot do we're going to stay right here where we are and just be stuck and stagnate instead of receiving and possessing all that God had for them and then I think the same thing is true for their new leader Joshua I mean like who wants to say okay I'll be in charge of that mission who wants to lead a mission that is doomed to fail from a human point of view. Who wants to go down with that reputation? But also, my question is, who wants to follow Moses? You turn back one page here from Joshua chapter 1 to chapter 34 of Deuteronomy. Moses has died. That's been repeated twice in chapter 1 of Joshua. And in, in reference, say, let me just tell you about Moses. In verse 10 we read, There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the side of Israel there's no one like him there's no one done as many incredible things by the power of God than this guy who wants to follow that act there was every reason for Joshua to feel fearful to feel intimidated there was every reason for Joshua to back up and say mm, not me maybe someone else I believe the fact that God told Joshua in verse 9 do not be afraid do not be frightened that tells us that he probably or certainly was but look in verse 2. God tells Joshua here in chapter, chapter 1 of verse 2. But Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise. It happens when you're reading the Bible. I think it's the work of the Holy Spirit that I need you to see that. It was like God took a, a yellow highlighter and said, Eddie, that's what I want you to see. These words, now therefore, Arise. Maybe God wanted me to see that, not just because he wanted me to see that, but maybe that's God's word for many of us or for all of us who are here today. The time has come. Moses has died. The time has come, whatever your circumstance is, for you to arise and to embrace God's calling for your life, for your family, and for this church. It could be something that you've been putting off, something that you've been procrastinating with, something that you've been ignoring or something you've been hoping, especially here at church, I just hope somebody else 
will do that. Now therefore, arise. The time has come to confront the sin that's holding too many of us down and that we're hiding. To confess it and to face it. The time has come to arise and, and, and for those of us that have never been baptized. Those are the, to be baptized, those are the words that were spoken to the Apostle Paul. His name was Saul. And Ananias said to Saul, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized. And if you know Saul's story, there had to be incredible fear that he must have been facing to make that decision. I'll be going back to the Czech Republic in, in June and I'll be seeing two individuals who were part of our church for more than 10 years and they never ever crossed that place where they made a decision to be baptized. They talked to me time and time again about it and every single time their answer and their response to me was, Eddie, Yaseb Boim, I'm afraid. I, I can hear them, both of them saying it right now. I'm afraid of my family's response. I'm afraid of the change that's going to be involved. Who is going to arise in this church and take the role as a shepherd that is so needed? Who is going to arise and follow in Deb and Steve Smith's ministry of serving the Native American Indians in South Dakota. Steve's not getting any younger. Who's going to step in their shoes? Or is that work going to stop? Who of us will arise and, and, and take Kimball and Lisa's place in Guatemala, Nathan and Amoya's place in Angola once their time comes to an end? I love Kevin, but he's not always going to be here to serve our, our youth ministry. Who's going to arise and take? Do we have to go outside and find someone? Who will arise? Who will arise and, I mean, hey, Matt's 60 now, all right? Somebody needs to start thinking about it. Who's going to arise when Sarah is gone? How can we survive without Sarah? Who's going to take her place? Who's going to arise when Laureen and Taylor have, have filled their time in our children's ministry? Who's going to arise and be willing to stand here when I'm going, now you're thinking, are they getting ready to fire everybody or what? Who is going to arise, listen to this, in a very practical way and take the leadership role of serving our church as a liaison with Mercy's Gate? We actually, as a partner ministry in this community, we need somebody to rise up and take that today. Who of us will arise and help lead this church into the future, embracing the vision and mission that God has given us? That's intimidating, right? It's fearful. And the easy answer is not me, isn't it? Someone else. And I just, those had to be Joshua's feelings. Or this wouldn't have been God's message to Joshua. To be strong and courageous, to not be afraid. And so historically speaking, and, and in this series, I'm going to be tossing up some maps. This is going to really be helpful as, as we see this story uh, play out. Historically and geographically speaking, they are on 
the eastern side of the Jordan River and God said, I need you to cross over. I need you to go from where you are to another place. That's where he was leading them. But if you're going to do that, you're going to have to be fearless. You're going to have to overcome the paralysis of fear. So let me ask you this question. What do you fear? What are you afraid of? All kinds of answers, right? When I said, when I said the question, who of you will arise and stand here? Did you have a, oh, I'd love to do that. Most of you, statistically speaking, 75% of you would not want to stand here and take that position. Do you know the fear of public speaking, glossophobia? It's a fear that affects 75% of the population. And it varies. Some people have just got some levels of nervousness. And other people just had the full-on panic attack when the thought of doing this that I'm doing right now. And I've, I've seen it on you because I recruit some of you all. Like I recruited Mike and Caitlin before to stand here. It's like when I say, hey, would you be able to do this? It's like I'm putting a cobra, a, a poisonous cobra in front of your face. It's just horrible fear. And panic comes over you. It is the most common phobia, public speaking, ahead of death, ahead of spiders, ahead of heights. According to an article in Forbes magazine, the number one fear of the average person is that of public speaking. The number two is the fear of death. Do you hear that? More people fear public speaking than they fear death. Most would rather die than give a presentation in front of a crowd. It is the most, listen, public speaking is the most common form of anxiety. And so now you understand why I'm such a basket case. <laughs> Amen. It all comes together. I spend a week carrying a fear greater than death. And I get up on Sunday morning with that. Don't let me fool you. Oh, Eddie is so at ease up there in his tennis shoes and his t-shirt. It is easier, I'll be honest with you. With dressed, relaxed. I am not at all at ease here. I have, I, I, I never, when I said, okay, I want to go into ministry, I didn't have this in mind. I didn't. There's never been one morning that I woke up and said, oh, one day I want to get up and every Sunday talk in front of a bunch of people. Never once. I have all kinds of uh, fears associated with what I'm doing right now. It's real. Fears like, Will somebody get up and walk out and never come back because of what I've said? Fears of what are you guys going to say and think of me? A lot of pride here, okay? I'll just, I'll just be straight up with you about that. Will you be bored? How will you criticize me today when this is over? How will you mock me? How in the world can I come up with something every Sunday that is engaging and interesting? Will I accidentally, in mispronouncing a word, will I say a cuss word like F-bomb just drops out? Whoops, didn't mean that. How do, you, how do you recover? How do you recover from that? I have zippophobia. 
Anybody have zipophobia? You know what zipophobia is? Zipophobia is, is that I'm going to walk up here with my zipper down and you're all going to see it and I'm not going to be aware of it and you're going to laugh like you're laughing right now. And, and so I don't know if you've ever noticed, but whenever the shepherd is leading the shepherd's prayer, I do a zipper check just to make sure. I probably do that 10 times on a Sunday morning because the fear of you all all know, why aren't you looking at me? I'm here, you know. <laughs> There are times when I'm sitting in the, getting ready to preach and my hands go cold and clammy. And my wife, Karen, is so sweet. She's with her mother right now uh, in Edinburgh. And, but I don't know if she's watching or not. But she will reach over and grab my hands. And she, you've all watched, she'll often put her hands around me and she'll say a prayer for me. And sometimes, it's not always, but there are times when, when I think I'm going to throw up. Right as that song is being sung, it's my turn to go up. And I have honestly role-played in my mind. What do you do if that happens? Because that's humiliating. Can you imagine I'm preaching all of a sudden? So I've thought it through. And this is what I've thought through. I'm going to take my t-shirt and my shirt. And I'm going to go like this. And hopefully it doesn't come out the little parts of my shirt. And I'm, and I'm going to I thought about that, okay? And I'm going to run out of here. And go home and just hide for a week. There's fear. It's real. I have had, I can't count, don't know, how many dreams of me doing this and I've walked up here. Let's get our Bibles open only in this moment to realize I'm doing nothing. I have nothing on but my underwear. Have you ever had that dream? I have had, I have had, these are not dreams, these are nightmares. I've had nightmares where the song is being sung, it's my turn to come up and give the lesson and my notes. I have that dream. And that actually happened one time. Mark was singing the prayer. It was time for me to preach after Mark Bush does the prayer. And I reached down to get my Bible and it wasn't there. I'd set it down somewhere else while talking to people. And I panicked. You hopefully had your eyes closed. But I was running around until I finally found it over here in this particular corner and so you really you should ask me Eddie if that's all for real why do you do this (laughs) yeah good question here's the answer and in giving this answer I'm going to give you one of the multiple we're gonna have many of them in this series one of the many definitions of what it means to be fearless fearless does not mean no longer having fear but it means acting in spite of that fear because of a greater cause. I believe that's courage. I I do this not because I figured out how to make the fear go away, because there's something much greater than what I fear. It's a greater cause. Sometimes I wonder, what are things that God has called me to do in the past? That I should have done, that I could have done, and I would have done, but I didn't because I was afraid. In this job, what are sermons I should have preached but didn't because I was afraid? Who are people I should have invited? The church for Easter service or for today, but didn't because what are they going to think? Bible banger. Who are people I should have shared the gospel with but didn't because I was afraid? What are conversations I have been needing to have with some of you but still haven't because I'm afraid? 
This is real. I think you, you identify with this. I wonder, and it bothers me to think about, how would my life be different today if I didn't let my decisions and actions be guided by fear, but instead by faith and obedience to God? What are ways that God could have used me mightily for his eternal kingdom purposes, but he didn't because I was afraid? So... <laughs> Uh, I've made myself vulnerable. What about you? I want you and your life groups to really talk about your fears. And, and I've given you a homework assignment in your life groups. And if you're not in a life group, quickly join one, start one. But if you're not in a life group, you don't join one, start one today or whenever, please do this also. Do this homework assignment because this is going to build for our sermon next Sunday. What I love about this passage, here's the homework assignment. What I love about this passage, God doesn't say, all right, everybody, you hear me? Don't be afraid. But he does more than that. He gives us in this chapter, especially the first half, but you read the whole chapter, truths and principles and reasons to help us not be paralyzed by fear. So I want you to, especially in your life groups and individually, read verses one through nine, but move into the second half too, because that one's like, what's there? And what are the principles and truths and reasons to help us not live a life being led by fear, but to be a people who are fearless? Read that, email me from your group or from you as an individual the answers to those questions. So today, all I really want to do is just let's identify our fears and ask how are we allowing ourselves to be paralyzed by fear? So I want to close with that thought going into prayer so let's, let's just stand in prayer and do this together Father as we enter into this period of quiet prayer I'm going to ask some questions and as I ask those questions I'm really asking you Holy Spirit to really speak into each one of our lives and help us because sometimes God you know us we're not, we're not honest with ourselves even which is crazy we're not help us to be honest and help us Holy Spirit to to find the answers to these questions and they are how are these words to Joshua and the Israelites relevant to your life right now In what way are you kind of like the Israelites on the eastern side of the Jordan and you're just stuck there and you've been there a long time. You're stagnating. You've leveled off. And God is calling you to take a move and take a step. In what way, in what way is God calling you to do what you know that you should do, you know that you could do, you know that you would do, but you've been, you've been putting it off. You've been procrastinating. You've been making excuses because you're afraid. When these words are spoken, how, do, how, do, how is it God speaking to you with these words now there for 
arise. In what way are you allowing fear to stop you from doing what you know God is calling you to do? What are you afraid of? Well, Father, as we in our groups or on our own go back to this passage to discover what you have to say to help us overcome our fear, well, Father, may this be more than a mental exercise. May your Spirit speak to us. Open our ears and open our hearts to listen. And let us hear these words you spoke to Joshua. May we hear them this morning, not spoken to Joshua and the Israelites, but also to us. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Now therefore, arise. So we'll continue in this spirit of prayer as we offer this song up to, to God in prayer. And if you're here carrying a heavy burden on your heart, I would encourage you to reach out to someone for prayer. And if you're that if you know someone, I want to encourage you to get out of your seat and Give them a hug and go pray. Let's, let's just take this time together in prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.